Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have two great guests on the show today. Bradley Carroll, who's CFO of Progressive Lighting. Bradley, welcome to Profit Sense. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And Gary Clayton. Gary is a partner with Superior Business Management. Gary, welcome to Profit Sense. Thanks for having me, Bill. So, Bradley, we're going to start with you. You know, there are, I know you've made a, a change recently, and so you've been CFO of Progressive Lighting for a while, but there are really some challenges of moving from service provider to an in-house practitioner. Can you talk a little bit about your journey there? Yeah, so very interestingly, um, the short story is, is that Progressive Lighting was a client of mine as a service provider, and apparently it was pretty good service. They just asked me to stay. Wow, that that's that's great. Yeah, so it, it was something unexpected, and and again, not really what I had had been looking for, or had envisioned myself doing. But um, as, as I was talking with John earlier, that um, what I really liked when I was at, at Fraser and Dieter was the client service side of it, and um, I get to do that all the time now. I have one client, and I get to do be one hundred percent client service. And for the the shared services division that I run, that that is my mantra: is that the rest of this building, the rest of our stores, uh, those are our clients, and we need to have that mentality and, and and service them. Yeah, and so there's a little bit of a mindset involved there in looking at your uh, looking at your uh, you know divisions as mm-hmm. uh, as clients so was that a much of a mind shift for you or or something that you had to implement in their in their operating system yeah it, it wasn't for me because i've half my career has been on on that side on on the um, service provider side um, but it has been a a, a mind shift um, for people who are coming in and for some legacy employees that were there when when, when i arrived so it, it it has been a little bit of a shift um, i can tell you that the Management of other divisions loves the loves the approach. Um, our CEO loves the approach because um, that that's that's just how we have to be to, to make the rest of the, the company successful. You are our clients. We're here to service you. How can we help? Yeah, absolutely. We're talking this morning with Bradley Caro, who's CFO of Progressive Lighting Inc. and VP of Shared Services. Uh, Bradley's a seasoned financial professional, having had a diverse career spanning internal audit, banking, manufacturing, logistics, income tax financial statement audits, and building and selling a CPA firm that still operates today. And so I want to talk a little bit about VP of Shared Services. Bradley, what what does VP of Shared Services encompass? Well, that was something I had to learn after we started talking about me taking the CFO role. Um, It it was a little bit more expanded. I I had thought I'd take accounting and and, uh, deal with that. But uh, Shared Services encompasses 
financial planning and analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, our ERP system is NetSuite, so it's our NetSuite administration team. It is our accounting team. It is our IT team. It is our inventory control team. It is our data management and analysis team. And they gave me HR. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yes. So were you prepared for all of that? No, sir. Um, HR was the one that concerned me the, the, the most, to be quite honest with you. I mean, as an auditor, I've, I've, I've audited all these different areas, so I'm familiar with them. But um, HR is, I mean, they're, it's a very narrow lane. And if something goes wrong, it can be very wrong. So my third day there, the payroll specialist they had resigned because she was her husband was transferred to Texas. And so th- this was my biggest concern, and now I'm rudderless. Um, very fortunate that having been in um, uh, the CPA field, I had made a lot of contacts, and I reached out to a, a, a contact who had been a, a payroll service provider, a PEO provider, had provided uh, health care benefits. And I called Stuart Caldwell and said, I, I need a name. I need somebody to, to come and, and do this. And, sure. and he said, I may be interested in that role. <laughs> so come talk to me. And he's, uh, he's been there since I think uh, August of last year and has done an amazing job. Um, so he was my first hire and he's been a great hire. So that, and, and again, that's just um, using your, 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 a career worth of contacts of, of who do I need to call about this? Yeah, and that really gets into the power of relationships. You Absolutely. know, uh, someone, uh, you know, being in the banking profession for a while, being in the uh, uh, accounting profession for a while, uh, you build up a, a network. And frankly, Bradley, it's all about relationships, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and, and the diversity of my background has actually prepared me for this job. I really knew that this would be the capstone job for my career, but. Every, everything that I've done, the, the, the diversity of the industries and, and roles that I've had have really prepared me for this role without me even knowing it. Yeah, it's, it's funny how all of those things in your career seem to come together at a perfect, perfect moment. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your role as a service provider. Uh, first, what did you like best about your role as a service provider? Uh, and then maybe next, uh, what do you take from that uh, into your CFO role? Yeah. Again, the client service. I, I, I really enjoy um, leaving it better than I found it. You know that that's that's a service provider win is when you can come in and, and you can do that. Of course, there's other pressures on service providers. There's you, you've got to do it at a a profitable rate. You've got uh, to fight for staff and, and to try to get the right staff on your jobs. Um, so there's a, a lot of different things that, that that went into it. So the serv- the client service portion of it was what I really enjoyed. And now I get to do that. It's just, as I said earlier, for one client. Yeah. So that, that that's, a, it's the best of both worlds. And, but I, I have kept the approach of they're my clients. And, and instead of just, this is a job I'm here to do. This is how I'm going to do it. I, I truly look at it at, at my, my, my sales team at their progressive lighting. They, they have their customers and they work hard to, to be good providers to those customers. Well, that's sales team is my customer. And so I'm working hard to make sure that they've got the, policies, the procedures, the processes, the the management reporting that is um, valuable to them so that they can make decisions and do their job. And I've got a great team. I say me, I've got a great team behind me that, that's doing all of this. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes a village, doesn't it? it? Absolutely. So we're talking this morning with Bradley Carroll with Progressive Lighting. Progressive Lighting is a family owned business with a 50 year history. 
as the largest chain of residential lighting showrooms in the southeastern United States, Progressive Lighting has a national reputation for stylish, stylish and unique lighting fixtures, superior value, and unparalleled customer service. So I want to take you down a, a different track. You've mentioned interest in a board position, specifically audit committee. Uh, what interests you there? When, when I was with State Bank, I was a chief audit executive at, at, at State Bank, which was a $5 billion bank. Uh, it's now part of the Cadence Network. And um, that I had direct reporting to the audit committee. And so I got exposed to a lot. And on that audit committee, um, when I first started, Archie Bransford was the audit committee chairman. He was the former odds budsman for the uh, OCC. And then the co-chair, um, assistant chair, was Kelly Barrett, who was the director of audit at Home Depot. So I got challenged, and I felt like that made me a much better chief audit executive. And what I have, what I have seen um, is, is a lot of audit committees, quite frankly, just aren't that good. They're not as good as the audit committee I had. And so I'd like to, to change that. Um, I think a, a lot of times audit committees focus on the financial risk and not the operational and compliance risks of, of companies. And so they're always looking for a big four, a former big four. Former big four means nothing um, if they don't know the IIA standards and they don't know the compliance and operational risk. Um, I, know, I know all three. So um, I think I could provide some, some value there. Yeah, yeah, I'm confident you could. So if any of our listeners out there might be looking for uh, – someone uh, to serve in a board position or on an audit committee, then uh, uh, please, uh, uh, Gary Bradley's going to share his uh, contact information and maybe there's someone out there. Absolutely. So I want to shift the conversation over to logistics and sourcing from overseas. You know, we're, we're having supply chain issues. It's a huge challenge. It's, it's uh, something I'm sure that you're dealing with in your business. Uh, is the logistics and sourcing from overseas really as bad as we're hearing, Bradley? It is. I mean, it, it, it really is. They, they, these are not excuses that, that companies are giving you. Um, we have product that has been on order for 18 months, and it hasn't been wow. manufactured yet. Um, by the, in lighting, by the time they ship some of this to us, that's now two model years old. And so we, we, we get it in, and we sell it at a discount immediately. Um, we have um, just – experienced all kinds of things with the logistics. We have a 25% tariff on, on goods coming out of China, and that's just money we're throwing off the boat. Um, I understand the reason behind the tariff was to, to punish China, but it's punishing small family-owned businesses like ours as well. Um, and we can't pass those costs on to our customers. There, sure. There's no way we can take a 25% price increase. We, we would go out of business if we did that. So the the, the, the tariffs, the um, price of containers two years ago it was $4,000 a container. I'm spending $17,000 per container right now um, to, to get goods shipped overseas. And the reason is supply and demand. And then if you look at any um, I- any of the reports, you, you'll see at any time there's 70 boats um, off the coast of California just waiting to get a port slide. And luckily, we come through Savannah, so it's not quite that bad, but they're still waiting. And then once they get the boats unloaded, the containers sit there on the docks waiting for a chassis um, to, to, to put them on. So it's and until it gets to our door and we start unloading it, we, we can't count on it being there at any, any given time. Yeah, one final question, uh, and if I can ask this, um, there are a lot of businesses out there that maybe have a good controller 
but that are thinking about either getting a part-time CFO or a full-time CFO. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could maybe share with our our uh, listening audience, based on your experience, Bradley, at what point in time should a business think about a part-time CFO? And then maybe even further, just like Progressive Lighting ha- may have had a full-time CFO for some point in time, what are some of the things or the attributes of the business that really let you know that a full-time CFO is required? I really think that it's a combination of things. You you, you really have to, to talk to your controller because um, – and this is where progressive lighting went through. They were, they were loading the controller up with a lot of things that were not geo focused. And she, we, we have a great controller, Rolanda Barnes. Um, but the first stipulation for me taking the job was Rolanda stays, whatever we've got to do, Rolanda stays. <laughs> um, she, she's a great controller, uh, runs her team very well, but she was overworked and it was, let's have Rolanda do this. Let's have Rolanda do this. And it's, it's some things that controllers don't want to do necessarily. Um, but, She's a good employee, so she was trying to handle it. Um, CEO got to looking at, I'm running a lot more of the day-to-day operations of these different departments than I should be. I'm not, I'm not able to function as a C- CEO. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. So you've got to look at um, the, I, I guess, uh, responsibility creep for a couple of different positions. And Progressive did have a part-time CFO who was there one day a week, and she did great. She she really gave them what they needed, but as the company continued to grow and mature, um, she was not interested in becoming a full-time CFO. And they just realized that, okay, at this point, it is really one day a week is, is, is project-based. There, sure. there, there's no continuity, and we need this continuity. We need somebody who can take on bigger projects, deal, deal with bigger issues, and, and, and um, that's how they decided that it's time for us to have a full-time CFO. Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing you say is growth always increases the complexity of the organization. Absolutely. And so as uh, those scope creeps that you talked about, uh, uh, the controller maybe had more duties than uh, than the controller could handle, even as good as they were. The CFO or the CEO, excuse me, was being brought into a lot of those day-to-day operations. That kind of gave a recipe. This organization's become more complex. Mm-hmm. The division of labor needs to be smaller, not bigger, and uh, hence the the role of a CFO. Correct, and and it, I'd like to point out our CEO is part of the family that owns the company. He, he's the son of the founder, Troy, uh-huh. Troy Lee. Um, so is, he's worked at the company I think since, since he was twelve. So as wow. well as he's known this company, he still said, "I'm, I'm too much into the, the operations, yeah. uh, the day to day operations." And like I said, it, it's second nature to him. Sure, but he still realized that. We, we need someone else to take over some of this. Yeah, and really astute of him to to realize that and, and actually take action on it. Absolutely. Bradley, if anybody has any uh, CFO-type questions or maybe even is a potential client for, uh, uh, for pro- Progressive Lighting, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you or get in touch with Progressive Lighting? Yeah, so my, my direct line is 404-890-7531. And you can drop me an email at bcarroll at progressivelighting.com. That's B-C-A-R-R-O-L-L at progressivelighting.com. Yeah, Bradley, it's been a delight having you on and hearing your perspective. And uh, thanks again for coming on Profit Sense today. I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you very much. We're going to now shift over to Gary Clayton. Gary is a partner at Superior Business Management. Uh, Gary, you've told me, I know in the past, that you're at your best uh, when you act as a part-time CFO for entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, could you share how you help business owners enhance the value of their business? Well, 
I've been with Superior about seven years now as a part-time CFO and became a partner last year. And in doing that, one of the things that it allows me to do is to work with our clients who are small businesses typically or entertainers or um, wealthy individuals. And what we try to do is we certainly provide accounting services and tax services to them, but we, we want to provide business advice and help them run a small business and uh, you know be profitable and create wealth for, their, for themselves and their employees. Um, so... Part of the challenge is to uh, identify who they are as the relationship develops. Um, we understand what their ultimate re- what their ultimate objectives are. Some people want to build a business quickly and sell it. Others want to generate long term legacy type uh, asset where they pass on to, to, to family members and that type of thing. Or so it really depends on what they what the ultimate goal is is how we really direct them. But the business principles that we try to articulate are, are really the same. Well, I know because you and I have, have shared clients from time to time, uh, you certainly add a lot of value to those relationships. But I'd, I'd really like for uh, to leverage maybe your, your expertise here. In, in your experience, what do you feel like the keys to business success are for these closely held business owners that you serve? I think it's certainly you need to have a competitive advantage in some aspect of business that you know, but it becomes a matter then of creating an organization and a structure to support it. And uh, basically we've always worked with the principle that there are basically four, four foundational principles that you need, four professionals that you need. One would be an attorney. You need good legal advice in this particular day and age. You need an insurance agent who you can trust and can do a good job for you. You need accounting to understand what you've done and how you're, how you're doing. And then you need financing. Uh, you need a banking relationship. We find many times in small business that the whole effort is chasing cash flow. Rather than ultimate profitability and building a business, they end up chasing cash flow. So underfinanced businesses are a problem, and they have to be treated a little differently. Yeah, so this uh, really kind of uh, sounds to me like you're recommending that your clients have a almost a personal board of advisors yep. uh, that covers insurance risk, okay. accounting, uh, all the legal aspects, and, and the finance aspects. We try to cover the downside. We live in a litigious society, so you have to prepare yourself. And it's easy to sign agreements and things when everybody gets along. But they need to be in place while we're getting along. and Because ultimately, there's, someone may die, or there may be a divorce, or there may be other issues that, that change the business relationship. And uh, we want to have nailed that down and what happens before those things happen rather than after them. And certainly attorneys are cheaper when you uh, uh, work in advance with them and you have projects to agreements to get signed and that type of thing rather than being in a lit- litigious situation where you're defending yourself. That's, that can get very expensive. We're talking this morning with Gary Clayton, who's a partner with Superior Business Management. Uh, Gary serves business owners who need guidance in areas of finance and business operation, but who also may lack a formalized infrastructure and future growth plan. So, Gary, I want to uh, take the uh, um, the conversation a little bit to uh, uh, challenges. So, business owners face many challenges, uh, but in your experience, what are the major challenges that small businesses face? I think the main thing we're finding right now in our business is qualified help. How do you find good people who... Good people typically already have a job. They already are satisfied, so you have to have a competitive reason for them to come to want to work for you. And we have to uh, explore their, 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 what they're good at, what they're not good at. We try to 
put various tests in place that they we can explore their competency and this type of thing. It's very expensive to make a mistake with an employee, and so we do try to be very thoughtful with that, but and, and efficient with it. But still, it's it's a most, one of the most difficult things today because counting graduates coming out of Georgia and various schools are making sixty seventy thousand dollars at an entry level, right? And so. Uh, we're having to raise prices and uh, and pay competitive wages and offer incentives that want to, that want them to come to work for us. Part of our our success is a diverse client base that we've got. We do have some entertainers and various things that we um, account for. Um, some travel, there's so there's some shows that we account for, which is it's exciting stuff because you're seeing a lot of a lot of neat things happen. But but again, it's uh then we try to translate that into into a financial statement. And what it looks like, and how they're doing, and that type of thing. And so, it's good for the for our employees to do it. But it's you know, what we do fi- primarily at Superior then is to analyze those results and try to spot trends in that type of thing that we're doing. Yeah, and so I'm I'm hearing loud and clear: tight labor market. It's really yep. hard to find help. That's a universal problem. Yeah. Uh, but even further, uh, finding uh, the right people, uh, especially in the accounting field, that can take. Uh, those debits and credits, mm-hmm. uh, make sure they're uh, categorized properly uh, in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles, and then uh, that spits out reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've found in my experience, Gary, I'd, I'm curious of yours, most business owners will look at their income statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not look quite as much at their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know too many that are looking at a cash flow statement. So, so what are uh, what are some of your thoughts there? Is that one of the major challenges businesses face as well? Well, it is. And we, we want to educate our clients and what it means, what these statements mean, how the balance sheet relates to the income statement, and, uh, and what that means from a cash flow standpoint. Because cash flow really is a, is a central issue of all, of all business. Um, if cash flow is stable, then we can operate and we can do things and we can make decisions based on um, profitability rather than cash flow, but that's what we find a lot of it. It's, it's easy to to spend money in a business, and it finds it becomes hard to make it sometimes. And so, what we try to do is to focus on those areas that are profitable, and to uh, help them trim expenses where they can, and teach them about about wealth. Creating wealth is a long term situation in this country with the tax code as it is. It's very difficult to create wealth in the short run. We have entertainers that may make $2 million a year, but they're going to owe tax on that. Sure. And, uh, and many of them don't want to pay tax. Certainly they don't want to pay tax on that, and it becomes an issue. And many of them haven't paid taxes for many years, and we try to help them navigate those, those issues. But it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's a necessary it's part of the, It's part of the law of the land, and we have to honor that. And, uh, and so explaining that to our clients makes us the bad guy many times. And uh, so, yeah. But, but we, we try to provide the, the solid advice and they need to, they need to plan for it. So certainly uh, one of the major challenges is, is taxes as well, which kind of takes me into also maybe what some of the common pitfalls that many business owners face um, separate from, uh, from the challenges. What are, what are some of the common pitfalls that business owners face from your experience? One of the major pitfalls that we find is that they do not classify employees as Employees, they classify them as subcontractors, and uh, this leads to a variety of problems. And the savings is really minimal. Yes, you save the Social Security taxes on there at seven point six five, and you save some unemployment taxes, but really it's under ten percent. 
But the, the issues that it creates are, are major. Um, for the employee, one, because he doesn't normally pay his taxes on an estimated basis, and so they have tax issues. But also they, they're limited to, as, as to the coverage. Ran into a situation last week where a, a young lady was working for a hospital and was an independent contractor. Uh, a patient came in that she was working on who had a stroke, turned around, had another stroke. Um, the hospital got sued, and uh, she now cannot work because she's an independent mm-hmm. contractor, did not have coverage at the hospital. Had she been an employee, things would go along as, as, as normal. But now, since she's an independent contractor, she is in a lot of she can't work in the field that she was trained to, to work in. And that's a very difficult situation. So you're not the insurance coverage is not there. So what we try to stress though is let's limit our downside. Um, yeah, there's some costs we have to incur, but those are those are costs to protect protect the downside that we look at. Now, uh, you and I are both baby boomers. Uh, there is a lot of baby boomers that are getting ready to uh, exit their businesses. I think it's estimated maybe 12 million or so uh, baby boomer business owners are going to be exiting in the next couple of decades. Uh, but I know you do help your clients with either ownership issues, succession issues, again, part of getting that structured. So uh, com- comment a little bit on how you've been working with some of your baby boomer clients on those succession issues. It gets back to the fact of what their upload objectives are. If they've got family members. We typically want to sell that inside the family if we can. Um, you know, I, I did read something the other day. I made a good point. It said your net worth in retirement is not nearly as important as your income stream. And so what we try to do then is just structure that so that, that it doesn't bankrupt the business or kill the business, but it provides an income stream to a, an owner who's exiting over a longer period of time. Sure. So. Sure. That's a great point. So Gary, if someone uh, listening wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I, my phone number is 404-271-7190. And the best email address is gclayton at superiormgmtinc.com. That's Superior Business Management's email address. Gary, it's been a delight to have you on the show. Uh, appreciate uh, your experience and, and your expertise. This is a critical area for business owners, as you and I both know. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Before we leave, I just want to spend a minute uh, talking to my listeners. These days, when we don't know the answer to a question, we often quickly turn to the internet. We think, oh, just Google it. One of the most Googled financial questions is about insurance and estate planning. Most people are familiar with these for their personal life, but when you own a business, there are several additional layers involved that are important to consider. The business owner needs to be concerned with life, health, disability, and liability insurance for both the business itself and personally. I have many business owner clients that have done personal planning only to borrow a significant amount of money with the bank, and that risk is not insured, which can leave a gap in coverage with the death of the owner. If you're in your 50s or 60s, you're more likely to become disabled and no longer to be able to work than you are to die. So consider insuring your buy-sell agreement with disability insurance, too, as an added precaution. For liability insurance, if a business owner has significant wealth inside and outside their business, it's common for that owner to carry an umbrella liability policy in the amount of their net worth to protect their assets in the case of a lawsuit. Another piece of planning is covering the cost of long-term care in your retirement. 
I've seen situations where the cost of nursing home or assisted living care can take a large bite out of your retirement egg due to lack of planning. Just like you have a CPA to help with taxes, it might make sense to have someone help you determine your insurance planning needs as well. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future Profit Sense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.